Welcome to The Business Extra. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, The National's Assistant Editor-in-Chief. With me is my co-host and The National's Future Editor, Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. Well, today we're talking about food security, an important topic for the region. But in particular, we're talking about how women-led startups are going to help provide greater access uh, to food here. Um, In a moment, we're going to talk to uh, Zada Hajj, the CEO of Dana. Uh, Before we do that, uh, please do subscribe. If you're on YouTube, ring that bell. Zada Hajj, CEO of Dana, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me and uh, Dana. So uh, Mustafa and Kelsey, it's a great being here. Uh, It's a great pleasure also meeting you. Um, Dana, how would you describe yourselves? I mean, I know you're a VC, you offer investment, you offer expertise, even R&D. What is Dana uh, from your point of view? Oh, actually, it's a great question because um, I will take you through how how we developed ourselves. In the beginning, we thought of being a venture builder for startups that are led at least by by one uh, female founder. And then uh, we discovered how uh, important is not only to work with the women founders from the bottom up, but also having empowering women from top down, which is the investments. So we both cover the side of services and R&D and facilitating the beta sites and our other services that are crucial for the startup success. On the other hand, hopefully, and uh, um, it will be a VC that is a separated entity, but will be a synergy between these two entities that will, uh, one is investing and one is working with a startup as a temporary during uh, a one year long. So you work with a company for a year uh, when you get involved with them, that's correct? Yeah, so maybe I can um, uh, uh, give you an overview of what we really do. Um, In uh, Dana Venture Builder, we basically take startups that are relevant uh, for the MENA region markets, Middle East and North Africa emerging markets that are led at least by one woman founder and in the sectors of desert tech. When I say desert tech, uh, it means uh, food agri-tech, food security, um, renewable energy, circular economy, when we focus on sustainability and positive impact on the environment. So these are the uh, basic, uh, the main focuses in uh, Dana. And how we do it is that we build a work plan for the startups that is very designated for the startup themselves. Each startup has a different uh, work plan. We work with them uh, uh, during between eight months to 14 months, depends on the stage, depends on the needs, the services. And uh, we facilitate during this year, first of all, you know, the deep research of regulation, uh, regulations of uh, how uh, the market fit is uh, relevant to their product, feasibility testing in one of our beta sites in the region, as uh, the Mazdar beta site will be one of the main beta sites for our startups to test their products there, since we are talking about products usually are a combination of hardware and software, which needs the uh, uh, not only the lab, but also the open field, the net houses, the greenhouses to test these products. And then after we um, watch the progress of the product, of the team, of the startup themselves, 
we then can decide if this startup is ready for investment or not. And if not, what are the next steps that needs to be taken to make them more successful? I want to ask you more about these beta sites. It feels like you've got like hands in the soil. You're really building something at these spots. Can you talk a little bit more about just where are they? And what are some of the products that you are working on? I saw that your first cohort has six startups involved, and I'm curious, what are they working on and what role do these beta sites kind of play in the whole R&D process? Of course. So uh, we started basically from Wadi Araba, our first uh, beta site, and uh, it uh, shown a huge success uh, for the needs of our startups. If I will make an example for one startup that has finished successfully their proof of concept in Wadi Araba. They are a biological pesticide that uh, on one hand doesn't kill the pests. On the second uh, uh, hand, uh, they, it attracts the bees. So it's a win-win for the nature, but also for the farmers and for us humans that we uh, will be safer with the biological pesticides. And they uh, had uh, their trial in uh, on uh, three, four, four different uh, uh, kinds of uh, um, cucumber, you know, watermelon or whatever, like uh, kinds of uh, fruits and vegetables. And after we have seen success, we are now planning to bring them to our second beta site that it's in developing stage in uh, Mazdar city in Abu Dhabi, which will be one of uh, the main uh, places for our startups, but not only that will have the chance to make their uh, trials on the site and to understand what are the problems if they need to pivot, because pivots in uh, the sectors of hardware, software, such as agri-tech, food tech, it costs a lot of money for the startups. And we make sure that our startups not only doesn't don't waste a lot of time, but also money. It's important to save them these two very main resources of money and time. And this is what will be in the beta site in Mazdar City. There will be open field for trials, net houses, greenhouses for the trials. It will be with a control group that will be on site managers who will uh, give us their real-time uh, feedback, what's happening with the product, what's happening in the field, and to understand deeply how this product can work when we are scaling up. The third beta site, we are now on the stages of uh, um, having uh, the third beta site. It will be basically in Morocco because we see a huge advantage in our region, in the Middle East and North Africa, of each country has a special ecosystem. One is more for the R&D. The other is more for the scale-up. The other is more for the proof of concept and to see how much the same product can work in different kinds of soils, in different kinds of environments. And this is like our strategy of making a network of beta sites to facilitate for our startups the specific services they need for their success. So what made you choose Desert Tech? Uh perhaps what, what some people might know as agritech, obviously very important, but how did that end up being the focus of your company? It's actually how our company was born. Uh, and, uh, two years ago, uh, after the pandemic, maybe in a, about half year, I had a, 
co-founder, I had a startup and her name was Dana Salah. She passed away in a car accident and uh, it was shocking for me and a turning point in my life. I wanted to do something for her memory. So I approached approached uh, our mentor back then, uh, who was Shirley Shachar, and she is a huge passionate about the sectors of desert tech. And she had uh, developed some program in Harvard uh, regarding promoting the desert tech sectors, which is agri-tech, food tech, renewables. And when I approached her, she told me, I have this program. I developed it during a, a one course in Harvard, and I think it's a great idea if you like it. And mainly, I'm a, I'm, my roots are from a farmer's family, farmer's uh, village. And uh, it's like a combination of a, if, of a passion of one of the founders. It's a roots of the other founder. And it's uh, the Katie Waxberger, who's also a huge um, fan of uh, environment, of, you know, having positive impact. So somehow it started from there as a passion, as uh, one of the focuses that we wanted to start with. But we understand the business potential of that that if uh, the fintech a decade ago was the buzz of the region, now uh, it's absolutely after the pandemic, the COVID, and after the war between Ukraine and uh, Russia, it's a huge opportunity, not only for uh, the, the agri-tech sector, but also for the supply chain of how the food production and the food uh, uh, supply is working around the world. And since we are from the, the region, we want to promote these sectors in the region. And we can see it also in the governmental plans, the, uh, how we can see the GCC, how there is a lot of plans after the pandemic to have a food security in Morocco as well, because Morocco is depending on the exporting to Europe since Europe is now uh, transforming into more biological, more pro-environment uh, products, it needs to have the source that is also providing these kind of products, which is the agri-tech that is more sustainable, that is more benefiting the environment and not only facing the problem, but also solving the problem of environmental crisis. Now, I, I was going to say, sorry, Kelsey, I, I just wanted to say you know, sorry for your loss, and 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 the story you're explaining, you know, starts with with tragedy or involves tragedy, but then moves on to something that is quite inspiring. And when you're talking about food security, of course, that's very important for the region as well, um, given the circumstances. Um, Kelsey, do go on. No, and really to piggyback off of that, I'm wondering the decision to go and lead on female-founded startups. And now your search for qualified startups to work with. Kara Swisher, a tech reporter that I really admire, has predicted that the first trillionaire will be one who comes up with a climate change solution. And so I'm wondering, looking at the founders in this region, particularly female founders, what are you looking for? What advice do you have? And what are some what are making some good ideas to you these days? What are you looking at? Uh, it's a it's a great two questions actually. Uh, the focus on uh, woman leadership, uh, as I mentioned, it started really from a friend that I lost. Uh, she's a woman. She was uh, a fighter in uh, for uh, her rights, for uh, uh, promote uh, herself in the ecosystem of mainly men. 
And they, from there, we started like to focus also on women founders, but not only a team of women, because we believe in diversity. We believe in the power of having different backgrounds in the team, having different kind of uh, emotional intelligence, but also different uh, sides of uh, tackling the problems. And this is the success key for, first of all, for teams to have the diversity. On second hand, when we talk about women in the region, if, if we say like more or less, it's about 40% uh, of the agriculture is come from women in the fields, in the agriculture. But when we you look at the, uh, the pyramid, it's more men up there. And what we want to do is to, to empower these women by facilitating the right platform for them that they can also do it. They, you can see a lot of women in the academ academia research and they continue in academy because it's a safe place for them. But no, we want also to promote that you have a safe place out there, even though there is a high risk of failure. Failure is a success in the startups world because you learn a lot from your mistakes. You, you, you have a huge plus and advantages if you know what is not right to do and not only what is right to do. And this is like on the focusing on women and as statistics shows, women raise less capital, use less money, make more money and profits for their startups is statistics. So it's also a, a very a strong point to focus on. What talent we are looking for, for your second question is basically, the talent of, you know, have the potential, have the resilience of facing the tough times in the startup life time, but not only it's the, the solution itself. Our region needs different kinds of solutions, not the drones that will solve the very sophisticated problems. No, we need smart solutions, tech solutions in agritech in agriculture, in, the, in food production, in uh, irrigation, in renewable energy, that these solutions can easily scale up in the Middle East and North Africa. This is our main focus. And if I uh, want to take like a, what Shirley Shahar always say, it's uh, her famous sentence, we're looking for rainers, not unicorns, because rainers are real and they are resilient, and they are sustainable in their way of life. And this is what we are looking for in our tech solutions in our startups. Sorry, which, which animal? Rhinus? Rhinus, yeah. Do you mean, do you mean deer? The rhinus. Um, we say I camels. Can't... I've heard camels before. We need camels, not rain. We need camels, not unicorns. Camels, if you take the camel from the sand and you put it on the street, he cannot survive. Oh, rhinos. <laughs> rhinos. rhinos. Yes, not unicorns. Yes, yes. No, yeah, rhinos. I, I, I can see that now. Yeah. So, sorry for uh, my uh, spelling. Rhinos. We're with you now. <laughs> no, no. That's a great comparison because, uh, you know, both have horns. Um, and, <laughs> oh, right. you know, the rhino is very strong and steady. Um, and real, yeah. while the unicorn is is, is mythical, um, and and so is that That's what real. you say to your to your startups? We want you to become rhinos. <laughs> yeah, not unicorns. We are looking for rhinos. We are looking for 
tech solutions that has the, the real problem solving of the MENA region problems in these sectors. And this is what we told, tell them, and this is how we try to facilitate each service that we can provide for them to make it happen. You touch upon something earlier about having operations in, in different parts of the region. And, and when we talk about Middle East, North Africa, it's it's not a monolith. It's it's not sort of one experience. Depending on you know one country to another, there's a different way of doing business and, and operating. Can you talk a little bit about, about those differences? Wow, absolutely. It's a great question because working with different founders from different regions, you can discover a lot how uh, the culture of innovation is different, not only in the stages, but way of thinking about innovation. And some regions or some places lack of the experience, some places lack of the understanding of the culture of our region, and some of them lack of the um, understanding of what does it cost to establish your company in X country and not in Y country and how this will affect your scale. So you need to cover for these founders the uh, gap of understanding and knowledge in the region because it's it's to go to the US, it's mostly it's the easier way because you know, it's one law, one kind of a approach. Most of the startups knows how to scale up and to whom to approach. And what we are trying to do in Dana is to provide this platform of to give you the best answers, where to establish your company, how to do it right, and what is missing in, in your knowledge or in your experience that we can continue that as a temporary co-founders during the year and helping them to over uh, the the obstacles of uh, gaps between the countries in our region. And do those gaps offer opportunities or is it really just a matter of the challenges you have to negotiate? It's a great question as well. Um, I would actually like, sorry, I would like to add sort of a more specific point on that. So for the example, like the UAE has a national food security strategy 2051, I think, here for me living here, I'm sort of drinking the Kool-Aid on this idea of the UAE as being at the pointy edge of the spear on food security and tackling ag tech challenges. But could you place us within the region and and provide some context for how is Morocco approaching food security? How is Saudi approaching it? What does it look like in Jordan? What are So there are certainly opportunities where there are shortcomings, but where are you seeing them and, and what's actually happening? Of course, uh, as as we know, the UAE has the national uh, uh, security food security strategy by twenty twenty three, twenty thirty, twenty fifty one, and uh, we usually are uh, um, always updated and updating our startups to make sure that we are aligned with the national strategy and the the governmental plans and strategies in the region. So if we are looking at the UAE, you know, the main focus is is to be uh, 100% uh, uh, food secured, of uh, um, 100% of uh, being a provider for 
the the locals of a local food for local production for the locals but not only if we look at Egypt where you have the talent it's a more for a scale up but not only for the locals and the, the Egyptians it's more also to export since we saw the war again between Ukraine and uh, and Russia we see the governmental entities are going more to focus on what is the needs for exporting in our strategy do we need our biological pesticides do we need uh, some kind of uh, you know um, statistics statistics of uh, water waste of um, food waste what are the exact terms that we need to make our production fit to the European uh, strategies. If we go to Saudi, Saudi, the uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, it's a different story because it's a great place to scale up, a great place for investments, a great place for R&D as well, and exporting. So it's, it's very different from country to country, if we go to Morocco, 85% of the fresh produce is uh, in the Agadir region. And now Morocco is focusing on Africa as well as Europe because it's the gate between these uh, two uh, regions. And what, they, what the strategy in Morocco is to be um, uh, aligned with what's happening in Africa for the 10, 20, 30 years from now and what's happening in Europe on the other side. And this is how you need to tackle each place, what their plans, to whom they are related. If UAE, if it's related to to case A, Egypt, if it's related to to the East Europe, Morocco to Western Europe. It's, It's very specific and you need always to follow these laws and these strategies and these agendas so you make sure you're putting your startups on the right path. No, I love this, This what we're talking about. It, you know, l- lately, there's been a lot of doom and gloom and, and what we're discussing right now really does play against the narrative and offers some optimism um, and gets away from kind of a bit of the, the doom and gloom around the cost of living, inflation, conflict, the other, the other crises we're facing, um, but really does address those, for example, climate change and, and, and other things that are needed, resilience. Um, but I guess the, the, moving on the discussion, investors are notoriously impatient. So when, when, you're, when you want to talk about your approach, your more measured uh, focus, how does that discussion go with investors? How do you get them to see the bigger picture, to take things in a more sustained, slower, slower manner? Um, you know, and and sort of even be able to say, you know, I'm going to judge things over the next year and a half. I'm, I'm maybe going to look at a five year horizon instead of immediately being able to point to where those returns might come from. Actually, I will take this question for two parts. The first part is the knowledge and the uh, uh, investors' uh, education. If you look five years ago. Investors in our region didn't even think about agritech, most of them. It wasn't the the hot topic to invest in. It was like it's a waste of money, a waste of time. But since we see the COP27 and the COP28 are being in the region, uh, will be held in the region, it increased a lot 
the strategy of investors in what to invest, where to put their money, and to understand deeply if this money will come in a five years from now or a 10 years from now, because it's a different sectors than the, what they used to do uh, in the 30 recent years. Once it was in cybersecurity in four years, you can see 10X, 20X. Now it's not the situation. The situation now it needs seven years. The investors will understand deeply that these are the future sectors. They need to invest in these sectors. The time, it all depends on what's happening. We never imagined the pandemic is happening, but it happened. So whoever dealt with the food security before the pandemic, they just made it. It's a great deal for them. Whoever was aligned with the uh, crisis in the food supply chain, in the agriculture, in the renewable energy, they if they are on the right path of reducing the uh, um, failure rate, they are making it. So the investors are now more aware where to put their money and how much it will cost in uh, time measurement. The second part of your question is more of a, the, uh, as you ask the startups after a year, they need to invest, not to invest. It's not always the case because we work with the startups from pre-seed to round A. If you are talking about startup that they are only have the um, patent or the idea or the very basic MVP, we want to test it before they get money. And they don't pay us money. They don't waste money. It's uh, We take portion of their uh, uh, equity. We take uh, upfront uh, 5% to whatever we based on milestones, how much time, how much efforts, how much each service will cost in money, we transform it to a, an equity. And in the end of the year, we will start to invest. This investment will be more helpful for them, not to wait for the big investment of $2 million or $3 million, but it's a very basic investments, small checks for them, half million dollar, uh, 300K, it's different. It's very diverse. So they can at least move forward with their trial. So we can invest in them and to have a lead, leading investor or leading VC in them. So it's a very, very dynamic since we are working in a dynamic region, but not only. We are working with the different stages. Pre-seed to round A. Each one has different kind of needs regarding the resource of money of place, of uh, time, and efforts of human resources. Zada Hajj, CEO of Dana, thank you so much for talking to us today. Wow, thank you so much. Uh, I'm so excited uh, of answering your question. It's, it's always uh, making more enthusiasm of uh, giving more to the ecosystem and trying more for our region and for uh, the benefit of uh, the human future. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you. All that remains to thank our production team and you all for being with us. Do join us again next time.